But we're going to turn our Bibles to our verse, our uh, epistle, the epistle of Romans, Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to read, we are airing through the book, I'm going to read verses 5 to 7, from page 594, if you were following in the Pew Bible, 594, Romans 1, verses 5 to 7, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ to all who are in Rome beloved of God called to be saints grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ now I don't know how you do it but this is how I do it dear sir you were sincerely Terence Gregory. Dear sir, you were sincerely Terence Gregory. Or dear madam, or whatever. That's how I would start a letter, dear sir. That's how I would end a letter. That's how I would address any letter that I would write. I would just put dear sir, and then end it with you as sincerely. You know, our description of the recipient would be, but his name. There wouldn't be no elongated description as to who the person was. We call him by his name, perhaps on the bottom of the letter there might be a heading or something. But all we are interested in is the name of the person. And the signature would be just our own name, with no description at all. And um, two words, almost meaningless really, you were sincerely, whatever that means. That's how I would address a letter. Dear sir, you were sincerely. Now this is our eighth week into this epistle and Paul is still introducing himself to the recipients or he is still, as we would call, addressing his letter. Dear sir, that's how I address mine. But we're on verse 5 now and he is still telling these people who he is and what he's about. Now I'm going to be honest, I have so enjoyed preaching these last seven weeks. And I suppose that, um, to myself at least, I have gained some glorious insight into the nature of Christ. Now we've looked at his deity, we've looked at his humanity, we've looked at his sonship, we've looked at his authority, We've looked at his humiliation and we've looked at his glory. But this, this is still only the dear sir, you were faithfully or you were sincerely moment of the book. No, we just looked at Christ because he is the central theme of the book. And he is the central theme of the gospel that is the central theme of the book. We've seen that he is perfect in his humanity and he is dynamic in his deity. And Paul has already addressed him as the Son of God. But we are still in the dear sir, you were sincerely bracket or portion of the scripture. You know that's what I like about Paul. He like me, goes into things in a deep way. Tells us all we need to know. You know, and um, he does it in most of his letters. 
tells us all that we need to know about what he is writing about. As I said, he's addressing Christ as the Son of God. And in our text tonight, he is telling us that the Son of God, the Son of God, this perfect human, this dynamic God, is the source of all that he writes about. All his authority is based in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, with power. You see, as I was writing this, I was thinking about Jesus Christ. No, we all need our board of reference. No, I've done a reference for the person this week. No, because, uh, you know, and I do ref- a reference like that because of the position I'm in. I'm a pastor of a church, and therefore people think that they can trust me. And they send me letters and say, will you be a reference for this person or that person? Because of the standing I have in the community. He's the person who buries everyone. Uh, as it happens in the last couple of months. You know what? Um, but with Paul, he needs a board of reference. You know, and the person who's on the board of his reference is Jesus Christ himself. You know, and therefore we can trust him. We can trust everything he says. We know it's right. Why? Well, because his source is a perfect human being who has never lied or deceived anyone, who has never abused anyone, but has been upright in all he does, as we've, as we've said tonight, you are righteous in all your ways, you are good, and we know that uh, no one is good but God. And therefore we can trust what Paul is saying, because he is receiving his authority, and in fact his, his understanding of the gospel, from this person who is beyond reproach. Perfect in his humanity, as I've, uh, in his humanity, as I've said, but also dynamic, in his deity. You know, over the years, people have told me, and we've discussed a number of times, that Jesus and Paul disagreed with each other on a number of points. There's been books written. You know, does Jesus disagree with Paul, or does Paul disagree with Jesus? Some people say that they were at loggerheads with each other, singing sometimes from different hymn sheets. But when you realize what we have here in front of us, that the authority that Paul writes from, the source that Paul writes from, is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And therefore there is no division between the two. There is no disagreement. Nothing could be further from the truth that these two are personalities from history. One amazingly fully human and fully God one the apostle of Jesus Christ both together bring us a state, the statement of the gospel you know and in fact such statements as Peter and Jesus without loggerheads with each other are laughable in the extreme Christ is the authority upon which Paul stands Christ is the authority upon which Paul speaks. And here in this context, Christ is the authority upon which Paul writes. How could they ever differ when they are one in purpose? And that purpose is to bring to us the gospel, the true gospel, the living gospel, the effective gospel. You know, if we were to put it bluntly, Christ has made the way. 
through the sacrifice of himself upon the cross taking upon himself your sin and my sin being there instead of us rising from the dead riding roughshod over all the enemies that would ever come against him Christ has made a way in fact he says I am the way the truth and the life but Paul Paul is different he is different he hasn't made the way he isn't the way but he has been commissioned to explain the way and to reveal the way and to preach the way and to live the way just the same as you and I we are not the way we are not the way we didn't make the way but we've been commissioned in our day and in our age to prepare the way to preach the way to live the way and to give others an understanding of the way listen to what he says through him, through Christ we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name you see through Christ in his capacity of son of God we have a mandate to preach the gospel could there be any higher authority is there a better reason then for studying what Paul has written you know I said at the beginning of our studies that Paul the gospel of or the epistle of Paul to the Romans is a life changing thing it's a church changing thing it's a society changing thing it's a world changing thing it's a history changing thing why? because of the authority of Jesus Christ the authority of God it's written you know and there is no better reason for studying it but on the other hand is there a greater blunder made by those who neglect the study of such a book who neglect to gather themselves to hear it expounded or to find out for themselves no is there a better reason to study no there's not is there a greater blunder for not no there's not because this book is the book that gives life changes transforms gives understanding to all who really want to follow the Lord as their saviour no they are not these words are not my words they are Paul's words but they are Paul's words that have been verified by God himself through him says Paul through him and there is the verification of the word of Romans so when we are dealing with this book and as we have done and will be for the foreseeable future we are dealing with God's words God's words to us you know and it's vitally important for everyone else if we want to move on with God of course if we don't then perhaps we don't need the book of Romans but if we want to move on with God then I think we need this book more than ever before this is the one who has commissioned us says Paul and this is how he puts it look you know and uh, uh, he puts this in a, you know, a, a, in a number of places I should say we have received grace and apostleship now I've noticed that in the prayers tonight this word grace and I know it's easy to say that and think well we always thank God for his grace but I don't know it's perhaps because I'm sort of thinking about what I was going to say I listened and everyone 
talk more about grace than ever they did before it's all about grace you know this is the testimony of Paul he retells it again and again and again but when it pleased God says Paul who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles that's how we sort of told his testimony in the book of Galatians that's how he tells them there and, you know he doesn't uh, sort of uh, parrot off what happened but he gives it in a different way because he wants to um, emphasize a different part of it you know if he went to Timothy you know we will detect in his voice the amazement the sheer amazement as he says something quite similar to what he says in Galatians only this time he's amazed this is what he says I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry although I was formerly a blasphemer a persecutor and an insolent man but I obtained mercy because I did it in them ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus notice his testimony and each time he does it it's all about grace and it's all about mission grace and mission grace and mission he never talks about his grace unless he's talking about his mission that's what we see so often with Paul whether that mission would be revealing Christ through his preaching or his ministry in, in Timothy you know and um, Paul is honoured I think highly honoured and yes even God smart that God would even choose him to be his voice and therefore we have grace and mission this is what I want you to do says the Lord to Paul this is why I have chosen you I want you to preach my name to the Gentiles I want you to reveal him reveal me to them I want them, you to show them the way and I have called you in grace grace and mission let me ask you the question would you put a blasphemer in your pulpit would you put a persecutor and an insolent man in your pulpit would you allow him to be your spokesman especially when such arrogance and insolence was actually aimed at you because that's what we have here Christ Paul's aim in life was to destroy him was to eradicate his name from people's lips was to murder his followers and degrade the name or de uh, degrade the name of Christ uh, in, among his own people that was his stated aim and we know that he was party to the, to the murder of, uh, of Stephen and was on his way to Damascus to, to root out the evil that was forming in the world that was who he, this person was you know would you allow him would you allow him to be your spokesman it's, in, it's incredible it's incredible because we wouldn't do that none of us 
would actually do that. You know, I was reading this week in the newspaper of a man whose life has been completely ruined because of a single incident that happened to him when he was very much younger. An incident that will never be erased from the public domain and will stop him being employed in the um, career that he followed ever again because of one thing he did wrong in the past. And you know, that's a, a big thing. You know, the man was quite sincere in the way that he talked about the situation that he was in. He was quite repentant about what he had done, seeing the folly of his ways. And yet that man has got no recourse whatsoever. His name is in the records. And he will never be trusted ever again. Now if you can sort of transfer that into Paul's story, he would never ever have got anywhere near the church, especially the pulpit. No way in the world how is God going to confer upon him what he did confer upon him. But you see, we have grace. We have grace and acceptance. You know, we've read of other people who have been uh, even wrongly accused of things. And yes, they've been pardoned by the authorities. But they've never been accepted by the population. We know one person from this very valley of ours who had to move out. Because yes, he was proved to be innocent after being proved to be guilty, of course. But nobody in this valley would ever believe that he was innocent. So he's had to go. Paul was guilty. Paul did do Wrong things, bitter things, insolent things, blasphemous things, things that persecuted people, even the people of God. The name of Jesus was maligned because of him. And yet, in grace, in grace, I thank God for the grace of God. You see, this wasn't just forgiveness that Peter, that Paul experienced. This was a, a wiping clean or an eradication of all that he was and he had done he was in the eyes of God he was a new creation this is what he tells us in Corinthians all things all the old things have gone everything is new you know that's how we appear to God in this place tonight if you know Jesus Christ as your saviour and I know that you do then you appear before God in perfection there's nothing that he holds against you. Because you are clothed in his righteousness. Mm. Now not only have you been forgiven of what you've done. But you've been restored into fellowship. Reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Such is the grace of God. Mm. You know all those things that Paul did and he did some awful things. And yet not one of them will be remembered. Not one of them will ever be held against him again. Because of his grace. Because of his grace. And what's more? You know, perhaps you would say, well, after what you've done, Paul, you know, you are accepted. You are forgiven. It's just as if you'd never sinned. But in the context of what you've done, we'll put you in a lower ministry. 
We're not going to put you uh, in, in sort of a high-profile uh, ministry. We just keep you under the, the, the parapet a little. Not for no one to, to shoot your head off. No, we're not going to be so hype. You know, but when we look at Paul, it was grace and mission. Grace and mission. You are the enemies of Christ today are very likely to become the ministers of Christ tomorrow because of grace because of trust because of reconciliation and because God chooses us for certain things and Paul was chosen to be the apostle to the Gentiles there couldn't have been a higher office to hold in the church no he's written the biggest part of the New Testament for goodness sake this man who you thought would be hidden away in a corner because of what he'd done have been brought forth and allowed to write most of the New Testament for us you know every doctrine that you and I preach and uh, adhere to and thrill in has come courtesy of this man it's amazing when you think that Paul what he was and where he'd come from yet catapulted into the front line equipped with a ministry of reconciliation apostolic in its essence you know if there ever could be one Paul is the poster boy of Christianity I've seen a picture of him it's not very good he's no Ennis or whatever an Ennis but he is the poster boy of Christianity the man who pioneered it through the whole of Europe and especially as we find you the penetrator of the Roman Empire itself which of course was the purpose of this transaction in the first place that there may be obedience to the faith among the Gentiles that's what it's all about so let's ask you a question then why was this ministry of Paul's so powerful and so prosperous why now going back to our little verse the first thing that I've noticed is that and I'll read it again let's go back and read it again through him, through Christ we have received grace we have received grace and the first thing for us to understand tonight when we uh, examine the ministry of Paul and see how powerful it was and how prosperous it was the first thing we can understand is that he received the grace of God you and I believe that this is what animated Paul for the rest of his life <coughs> the grace of God never ceased to amaze him never stopped driving him you know, and you can think of Paul as he thinks of himself and says, I don't deserve any of this. And when I read that Timothy passage, you can see that Paul is God's man. Here I am, blood in my hands, hate in my heart. And here I am, God has chosen me. He's cleansed me. And he's put me in this place. It never ceased to amaze him. Never stopped driving him because he knew that he didn't deserve any of it I've done nothing worthy of such honour you know and I suppose that all of us in this place tonight 
for the benefit of the team, all you thousand people out there <laughs> in the uh, in the auditorium, all of us are amazed by God's grace. I, I picked that up from the prayers that were um, prayed tonight. We pray about it lots. We sing about it enough. We preach about it as much as we can. But let me ask you a personal question. Have we all really received it? Because I think it's the hardest thing in the world to really receive God's grace. It is the most difficult thing for a human being to do is to receive God's grace. In fact, I would say that it is alien to the human conscience. Just go and check all the the, the number of religious rites and ceremonies that man has invented to try and absolve his gift. Check out the history of penance that have been served within the Christian church over the last 2,000 years. Have a look to see how the lengths that people will go to in order to salve their consciences before God. No men like John Bunyan Men like Martin Luther, racked with guilt, despite their slavish adherence to the pilgrimages that they went on, to the disciplines, to the deprivations that were in vogue at their day. And it's not until they received the grace of God that they knew the peace of God in their lives. You know, when you read Paul, you can read through his 13 uh, epistles in the New Testament, you will find that not once do we ever find him searching for forgiveness. Never do we see him burdened by his past. Never once do we discover him trying to make amends for this sin or for that sin or try to impress God with his holiness and his purity. No. None of that is true of Paul. You know, you might get to thinking that Paul might have thought he was perfect. And he didn't need any of those things. He didn't need to uh, climb up steps and kneel for hours and go without food and whip himself and put a, a rough shirt on or, or, or do any of the things that people are even doing today. Perhaps you thought he was perfect. No, he did when he was a Jew. Or when he was in the Jewish religion. He thought he was perfect. As far as the Lord is he said. Perfect. That's me. You and you might have thought that he would have brought that um, perfection into the Christian life. But see that's not true. Because he talks about grace more than any of us. And grace would tell me. Him talking about it would tell me that he knew that he was a sinner. In fact he calls himself the chief of sinners. But never once do we find him. Trying to impress God with His goodness and His holiness and His righteousness. No. Why? Why is that? Because He'd received the grace of God. He'd received the grace of God. And He knew what it meant. And He lived according to the grace of God. The grace of God upon my life is not dependent upon me. On what I have done or deserved. But a gift of mercy from God, which has been given unto me 
because of his love his love for me it is unending unfailing unlimited unmerited the grace of God given unto me that's Paul's testimony Paul could have wrote that song you I wonder again I ask have we received the grace of God in our own lives or are we still striving to achieve are we still striving to impress are we still dogged by our past failures that seem to mock us and block us as we try to move forward with God how can I tell others you might say of the peace of God when I'm not experiencing it myself what sort of hypocrite am I to think that I could preach the gospel of grace when I have this burden or this problem the grace of God is unending unfailing unlimited and totally unmerited there is no sin that stops it there is no failure that thwarts it there is no lapse that prevents it it's God's gift of mercy God's gift of mercy of forgiveness of reconciliation of acceptance to us at no cost at no cost have we received such a gift have you received such a gift oh yes of course I'm saved I've given myself to the Lord Jesus Christ he took my sins to the cross but surely it can't be as simple as that it can't be as simple as putting my trust in someone who did something so long ago surely there's something that I have to carry surely there's a bit that I have to pay for you know Paul never had any of those type of concerns none whatsoever in fact he says that there is therefore now there is therefore now you've got to listen to all the words there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and you know it's very funny that even the Bible translators can't believe in such grace and it's strange you know we trust the, trust the translators but they can't believe that God's grace is as simple and as effective as that listen to what Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus are you in Christ Jesus? of course you are you put your trust in him so that means that there is no condemnation at all now but if you've got a King James Version or indeed if you've got a new King James Version you will find that the Bible translators have added a bit to verse 1 they've taken a bit from somewhere else and they've inserted it into verse 1 because they can't believe that God's grace is sufficient listen to what they say verse, eight, verse 1 New King James King James Romans 8 there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit oh that's better isn't that better that's much better I can handle that I can handle God saying there's no condemnation but I've got to do a little bit 
I'm going to pay my way. I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk. According, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Well, let me tell you, that shouldn't be there. That's been added to the text. Because people couldn't believe that grace was that good. It shouldn't be. Where does it come from? Well, physically, it comes from verse 4. You read on into verse 4 and you find the exact words. And someone has cut and pasted into verse 1. Quite a number of years ago. Physically, it comes from verse 4. But in reality, it comes from a disbelief in grace. A disbelief in grace. A disbelief that grace can be so unending, unfailing, unlimited, and unmerited. I can't believe that. I've got to walk the right way. I've got to do the right things. I've got to say the right things. I've got to go to the right places. And I've got to do this. Otherwise there is condemnation. Thank God for the NIV. Never ever thought I'd say that in in Emmanuel. Because you know what the NIV says? The NIV says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Period. Period. Whoever it was who edited the NIV trusted grace more than the people who did the KGV or KJV whatever it is. <laughs> not a word, mate. Not a word. It's your fault she's not yet to make you that. You know, it's so difficult to receive God's grace because our human nature fights it tooth and nail. But Paul received this grace and so must we. It makes for such a a better lifestyle, a better joy and relationship with God because I'm not always trying to mend it all the time. Fix it. Because he's fixed it once and for all. That's the most important thing for us to understand. That Paul could go out knowing that he was accepted in the beloved. But secondly, quickly, he also received his commission, or as he called it, his apostleship. I have received God's grace and my apostleship. Now, I don't want in any way to undermine the authority that comes from this word apostleship. You know as well as I do that I have spoken on numerous occasions, even in fact that in study 2 of Romans chapter 1, uh, that Paul was an apostle of Christ. He was one of the twelve founding, uh, foundational apostles of Christ. Cut off or separated from everyone else before or after in the church. They were special. They were the apostles of Christ. And I said we dealt with that in study two. You know, and that is the difference between uh, an apostle of Christ and an ascension gift <laughs> apostle. We are certainly looked at at that time. You know, there's a massive difference 
between an apostle today and Paul there is a massive gap between them both they were commissioned by Christ while he was on the earth apostles today are gifts from God's throne it's a different ball game altogether they have the authority to bring the word of God in new revelation to us today the apostles have the authority to preach the word of God and bring no new revelation to us there's the difference there's a big difference between the two gifts but I must say that there is also a glaring similarity also there is a similarity between Paul and today's apostles a great similarity between them both because they both come from the root the Greek root that means to be sent as a messenger and in a very real way we are all apostles in that sense that you and I however old you are however insignificant in the church you may feel we've all been sent forth as messengers we've all been called to bring this gospel to bear upon those we live with we work with and we socialize with it's our mission it's our commission it's our apostleship now Paul received his apostleship and he went out and won the world for Christ now going back to this word received I think it's the key to our study tonight yes we need to receive God's grace but we also need to receive God's commission too and the root of the word receive is to seize to take hold of to make it your own you know Paul again is our great example you know we mourn our lot so much these days but we forget what the early disciples actually went through to carry out the great commission you know Paul was told before uh, he, ra- he raised one word in anger that he would suffer because of Christ what's his name? Um, Ananias go and tell Paul you know he would do, uh, uh, you know, think of God I have lots of things to tell Paul go and tell Paul I'm glad he's in the faith go and tell Paul how much I love him go and tell Paul that he's going to write three quarters of the Bible of the New Testament go and tell Paul Ananias go and tell Paul how much he's going to suffer for the word of all the things that God could have said go and tell Paul how much he's going to suffer for the word you know and, and when Paul heard that the Bible says immediately he got up and preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God he went straight to the Jews and started to preach Christ I don't care about the suffering Christ has brought me to this place he's considered me faithful to put me in the ministry I'm amazed I'm chuffed I'm honoured I'm going to go and do it you know I don't think Paul had any idea what suffering for the gospel would mean 
And when you look at the catalogue of things, beatings, stonings, jailings, shipwreckings, you name it, he suffered it. Left for dead. And later on, they say beheaded. You know, I, I, you know when he, when Ananias came, he didn't bat an eyelid. Why didn't he bat an eyelid? Because he'd seized the commission. You take no hold of it. Seized it. Squeezed it in his hand. No one's going to take this commission from me. Nothing. Stones, sticks, swords, fire, water, jail, nothing. Nothing, nothing. Because even to the very last day that he lived on this earth, he was fulfilling the commission. The Bible tells us that in his, uh, in his home, in his um, house arrest, he would be witnessing to those who would come and visit him. He seized his commission. You know what? The resolve of Paul is not impossible to find in us. Not impossible to find today in lots of churches up and down our valleys. He battled from the first moment right until the last. I wonder how many of us have ever said woe is me if I don't preach. I've got to be honest I, uh, I was thinking this morning oh, Matthew's here on Sunday what a job I am going to preach and then I started studying this woe is me if I don't preach now I know that we can have a break don't get me wrong I know we can't uh, preach all day and every day uh, of our lives but this is the attitude he said if I preach don't thank me don't say I'm great don't honour me that's my duty that's what I've been called to do that's my commission it's if I don't preach woe is me woe is me if I don't preach I'm useless if I don't preach I'm surplus to requirements because God has called me to preach he has commissioned me to go you know and uh, I suppose that in a very real sense he has commissioned all of us to go as he spoke to the people on the Mount of Olives go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature go into all the world when you know it said before that that word go means having gone having gone into the world that means wherever you are don't think you're going to go I can't preach today I'm gone anywhere no we are here to be his witnesses we are here to show the world who Jesus is we are here to reproduce the grace of God in our lives into the lives of other people and woe is me if we don't you know two ingredients two ingredients that provide or produce a strong and vibrant body of believers what are those two ingredients I tell you the first one is a complete grip on grace if only we could get to that place where grace is that powerful in our lives and we never step outside of it but we live it every moment of the day a complete grip on grace is the first ingredient for a powerful church 
and the second is a white metal ride of commitment unhindered commitment unfettered commitment you know what a great man Paul was or shall I say what a great man of God Paul was in his day who can we expect to find his like today I've already said that they are few and far between few and far between it's a sad indictment upon us you know when we should be at our strongest because the day is approaching you know, can you see this world going on much longer you know it's heading for a massive explosion because the whole world is in uproar can you think of the days of Noah being any worse than these because we are hearing such atrocious filthy immoral stuff today I was reading in the paper today that a man wanted to marry his adopted son this week. I can't believe it. How can he marry? How can a man want to marry his adopted son? It's incredible to think of the filth and the sin and the immorality that's going on in our world today. Can it be? Could it have been any worse in Noah's day? Because in the, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days before the Son of Man. And yet, at the time when we should be our strongest, when we should be our most committed, when the church should be coming together to hear God's word and to reproduce it in the, in the, the lives that they live outside, we seem to be at our weakest. We've lost the sight of God's grace. And we've lost the sense of his commission. And I want us to be like Paul. I want us to be like Paul. And receive it. Receive his grace. And receive his apostleship. My last two questions. Are we going to buck the trend? My last question. Are you going to buck the trend? Is that a church thing? Although it's great to see a church working together and going in the same direction. It's a personal thing. Have you received the grace of God? Have you received the commission? Have you seized it? Have you gripped it with both hands? Because that's the only way that we will ever see God, uh, God's name being worshipped again in our time. When we as church get to grips with who he is, and what he has called us to do. For his name's sake. Amen. Amen.